people use church for wrong reasons as well as right reasons. I like the sense of community. Yes. The problem with church... We live in social isolation a lot. Like, I never would be focused on that at all if it wasn't for my faith. Very, very welcoming to me. I feel a part of the community. The church is the hands and feet of Christ. Like, there's a reason why people do this. There is something to it, so... Connection and belief and faith. Loving everyone. Well, this morning we continue our series, Why Church? We have been asking the question, why do we gather here in this place? Why do we get together in journey communities, in Bible studies, in groups outside of this? Why do we give to our community uh, through this thing called the church? And um, this morning I want to lean into this idea. Why is it so complicated Why is it so complicated? And I'm going to give you some tips on how to help, how to help. But before we get into it, I want to talk about what the church actually is, okay? Because we throw this word around church, um, but I I want to make sure we understand what church actually is. So I'm I'm going to engage us in an exercise here, okay? Take your hands, interlock your fingers, okay? Come on now. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, see all the people, right? Or, or if you learn this version, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, where's all the people, down the corner, not too far, corner club, there they are. I just, that's, no judgment, no judgment, I... I saw you there, which means I was there too. So, no judgment. (laughs) See, we are the church. We are the church. This building is not the church. The buildings with steeples around town, they're not the church. We are the church. For three weeks, we talked about up about how we engage with hearing the voice of God. And we are on our second week of talking about the in. How do we connect with the family of God? The way I might say it is, how do we connect as the church? You don't go to church, you are the church. And so how do we connect as the church? Last week, Bob talked to us about entering into this dance of the Trinity, right? This holy dance. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, go online, watch that sermon from last week. It was inspiring. And I thought, man, I need to be connected. And we talked about this idea of the fire pit, how we're connected to this fire pit and how we're a log on that pit. But, but here's what I kept thinking. I kept thinking throughout that, that's really nice, I'm really inspired, Bob, but oftentimes this is what my fire looks like, right? Like I'm sitting here and I'm like, (laughs) oh, and then I move my chair and somehow it always follows me. Are you one of those people? Right, it always follows you and then you move it again and it follows you again and you move it again and it follows you again. See, I think oftentimes... 
our fires can be quite smoky. And I was sitting right up here last week as Bob was preaching. And part of what I was thinking was, man, I'm inspired. And part of what I was thinking was, people are crazy, Bob. Like, you really want me to engage with this community of faith, these other people? Like, people are, are hard, right? There's that country song, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy, right? I think that's good theology right there. <laughs> and so maybe you said that to yourself last week as well. You take, took a look at your fire and your, your campfire and you said, man, uh, campfires are hard. They get smoky often. I've been burned before. How do I engage? How do I engage as the people of God, as the church? I, I'm not going to make you raise your hands on this, but I want you to consider this. I am betting if I asked for those to raise their hands who have been hurt by the church, many hands would be raised in this room right now. I, I would imagine if I asked the question, how many of you, it took a long time to actually come to one of these gatherings because church people who said they loved Jesus were actually really harmful to you. How many of you would probably raise your hand? See, see, when we gather in a room like this or when we gather in someone's home or when we gather as a class, it gets very complicated very quickly because people are difficult. And so I want to lean into this idea today of why is it so complicated and, and how can we help? And the way I want to do that is by looking at Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Paul is writing here to a church, to a, a group of followers. He's not writing to a building. He's writing to a people in a town called Philippi. And he says this to them. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Which I'm sure everybody in the outside of the church world would say, yeah, that's what I see. A lot of unity around the church these days. I'm sure that's exactly what they would say. He goes on, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for inviting us to be part of your bride, your church. And God, we admit to you that this is not easy, that we're not easy, that those that we love are challenging and, and that living in community is hard. And yet, God, we want to enter into this dance of the Trinity. We want, we want to live out the reality of who we are as the church. And so, God, will you help us to focus our minds and our hearts to be transformed by you, to be more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So with our time together, I want to talk about three, three movements that I think can help with our fire and help ease the smoke in our fire and stoke a healthy fire. I want us to, to be associated with three movements. And the first movement is this. We want to move from impressive to humble. We want to move from impressive to humble. Verse three, Paul says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. During this time when Paul was writing this letter, there were other documents being written as well in the Greco-Roman world. One of these documents was called the Delphic Canon, written in the 6th century. And the Delphic Canon was a list of virtues Virtues that every man, woman, and child should strive for in the Greco-Roman world. Let me say some of them to you. Control yourself was one of them. Help your friends. Practice prudence. Nothing in excess. Act on knowledge. Honor good people. Despise no one. Worship divinity. Don't mock the dead. Don't let your reputation go. Respect your elder. Respect yourself. Die for your country. Don't trust in fortune. And the list goes on and on for 147 virtues of the Greco-Roman world. Guess what's missing? Humility. The word humility doesn't show up in any of the 147 virtues of the Delphic canon and is absent from much of the documentation of that age and of that day. And thankfully, we don't live in a time like the Greeks and the Romans. Tongue firmly placed in the side of my cheek, all right? Because we also, I believe, live in a place where we are encouraged to be impressive. We're encouraged to be impressive. Okay, here we go. How many of you, raise your hand, are on Facebook? Raise your hand. Facebook people, raise your hand, raise them high. Raise them high, okay? Lots of Facebook people. Half the population of the world is on Facebook, okay? 
All right, how many of you are on Instagram instead? Because your parents are on Facebook, so you're on Instagram. Okay, all right, okay. How many of you are on no, neither of those platforms? Raise them out, like proud. Okay, wait, leave them up, leave them up. How many of you have a friend and you have their login and password so that you can see people on Facebook as well? <laughs> Social media is about impression, isn't it? It's about how do we how do we show ourselves to the world? What impression do we leave for other people to look at? True confession. How many of you are like, how does that person keep going on vacation every week? Do you have that? I have this. I have this, I have these conversations with Lori and I'm like scrolling and I'm like, they're on vacation again. There's palm trees again, sand and Corona again. We haven't been on a beach in a while, right? I am, I am pale, pale these days, okay? And we look at these things and we think, man, I, I, I'm leaving an impression. We even have statements about this. There's a question of, is your photo Insta-worthy? Insta-worthy. Like, is it worthy of putting on Instagram? There are lots of people who pay other people to make sure that their Instagram and their Facebook are up to date and look good and present those people as a public figure in a certain way. You, for only $39.99 today, can go to fakeavacation.com. I'm not, I'm not kidding about this. I was thinking about doing it and just putting it up there, but you should do it. Waste some time on Google today, right? Fakeavacation.com for $39.99. You can go to Paris on Instagram. And you just have to send them your photos. They will Photoshop you into the Eiffel Tower. They'll Photoshop you into all these spectacular places around the world for only $39.99. And for those of you who can't afford that, for $19.99, you can go to Vegas, okay? <laughs> and it's, it's funny, but it's true. Right? I mean, that's why it's funny. Like, that's ridiculous. But, but, but then, do you think about, like, how are people going to respond to this post? Are they going to like it? Are, are they not going to like it? See, I think we think a lot about the impression that we leave. And, and Paul would say to us, listen, if you want your fire to be healthy, you need to move from impressive to humble. See, you, you've been around impressive people, right? They're like the story toppers. You've been to, with story toppers, okay? Or don't look around, because you may be sitting next to one, and you're like, they are the story topper. And if you're like, I don't know any story toppers, you're the one, okay? So... <laughs> Story toppers do this, right? You tell this story about something that happened that was quite big for your life. And they're like, oh, really? Well, let me tell you what happened to me last week. And then you're like, that's awesome. And now you topped my story. You've been around people like that. And when you get around people like that, does that stoke your fire? It doesn't, does it? 
actually makes that fire smoky. And when people puff themselves up, when they make more of themselves than they are, this does not help to create a healthy fire. In fact, those are the kind of people that we just, we avoid them. We don't want to be around them, but we have to admit that sometimes we are them. Sometimes it's not that they are the problem. Sometimes it's that I am the problem. It's that we are the problem, that we actually are consumed with being impressive rather than humble. So what is humility? What is humility? Humility is simply put, thinking of others better than yourself. Thinking of others better than yourself, which takes us to our second movement that Paul wants to help us with in creating healthy communities, in creating healthy in, in creating healthy fires. So we want to move from self-interest to others interested, to other interest. Not, not other interests like other interests, but like other people interest. We want to move from self-interest to other interest. Paul says this, don't Look out for your own interests, but take interest in others too. Don't look out for your own interests, but take interest in others too. I want to talk for a few moments about dating and marriage, okay? And so I won't pick on you. I'll pick on me a little bit this morning. But when, when I was single, I was very self-interested, and the reason I was self-interested is because like, I wanted a girl to at some point be like, hey, I'd like to spend the rest of my life with you. And that was reasonably challenging, I found out, okay? <laughs> I'm a lot of person, if you haven't figured this out already. Like I know some of you are like, it sounds like you're yelling. It's because I am, okay? Like this is me, okay? So, so I thought a lot about like how do I... You know, how do, I, how do I dress? How do I act? How do I engage with other people? And part of when I was in my young 20s, I wanted to like do that so I could, so I could meet a girl and she might like me and want to talk to me and maybe go out with me. And then I met this girl about 15 years ago named Lori. And it was, it was just wow factor, right? Uh, away, and, and I was like, "Man, I I want to impress her. I want to I want to I want to um, like get to know her." And and what's really interesting is I went from self interested really fast to other interested really fast, right? Like I remember one of our first dates. I, I said, "Hey, um, it was a test." I said, "Hey, do you want to go on an adventure or do you want to just chill?" And we didn't have Netflix at that time, so we couldn't Netflix and chill. But I was going to get a movie. And it was a test because I didn't actually want to chill. I wanted an adventure. Like I wanted somebody who was going to go on an adventure with me. And she picked adventure, right? And she came to the house in, in sweatpants and a sweatshirt because I was like, don't wear something nice. Sweatpants and sweatshirt. And I was like, dang, look at her. Like I was, I was swooning over her sweatshirt and sweatpants, okay? And, and we, we went out, we were, we were in, in Iowa, whole another story for another day, but we were in Iowa, and what you do in Iowa is not much, and so um, we, <laughs> no offense to the Iowans, okay, so we went through a cornfield, true story, to this old abandoned barn, there was this big rope swing in the barn, and this was one of our first dates, and we ended up sitting out um, on the edge of the barn on this window, and we ended up just talking, and I found myself wanting to know everything about this person. I went from self-interested to other-interested 
from zero to 100 in a second, right? And I wanted to know about her passions, about her hobbies. I wanted to know about her fears. I wanted to know about her family. I wanted to know everything I could about her. Um, Fast forward not too long later, um, I married that beautiful woman and um, something happened, which is just kind of too bad. And I think it happens in a lot of marriages because after the wedding, something started creeping back in into my life. And what started creeping back into my life was that I had these moments where I wasn't as other interested as I used to be. I went back to that whole self-interest thing. Like I started thinking things like this. If she would just do this, then that would make me more happy. If she would just see things my way, then I think our marriage would go better. And it still creeps up all the time. It somehow just doesn't go away. That, that my self-interest, it, it goes above the interest of my wife. Don't look at your spouse right now, but it, it, does this happen in marriage, people? Right? Like, don't look at him, don't nudge, none of that, okay? But like it happens in, in, in little ways, right? So it happens in little ways where, where I've, I've seen this a lot in our culture. Rugged Montana individual culture, love it, but there's some downfalls to it. I've got my hobbies and I do my things. I hunt, I fish, I ski, that's what, that's what I do. And she, she like, I don't know what she does, but she does other things, <laughs> right? And she has her own interests and her own hobbies. And, and my interests and, her, and my hobbies, they don't, they don't intermingle. One of the things that I do in premarital counseling uh, is that I tell couples they need to learn how to play together. They need to learn how to play together. They need to keep dating each other throughout their marriage so that they keep being other interested. They need to share hobbies. They need to go the extra mile and say, I'm gonna go with you because I know that you love to do this even though I don't love this, but I'm other interested. And, and what's really interesting for me is like, couples will sit in front of me and go, oh, absolutely, when they're dating, right? But then they come back to me years later in marriage counseling and they're like, if she would just see it my way, buddy. And I'm like, do you remember what we talked? Do you remember what we talked about? Other, other interested, right? And I can just tell you, like, if the fire of your marriage is smoky, it might be because you're more interested with yourself than you are in your spouse, it might be that you care about your own concerns more than you care about the concerns of the other. And you're, and you're thinking, you're seething, you're angry. There's something inside of you that's saying, if they could just see it my way, it would be better. And you're not actually making the fire better, you're making it more smoky. Because Paul would say, don't look out for your own interests, but take interest in others too. Um, I, a lot of marriages that end in divorce, and not all, but a lot of them that end in divorce, um, get there because one person wants something 
the other person wants something else and neither one will give. And they won't give and they won't give and they won't give until they've decided it's no longer good to be with each other. We need to move from self-interest to other-interested. But ultimately, we need something even better. We need to move from you to Jesus. We need to move from you to Jesus. Paul says it like this. You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Paul uses other languages, language when he talks about Christ. He says that we need to be in Christ. That when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And what Paul knows is the secret is this. If you want a healthy fire, if you want healthy relationships, you need to move from you to Jesus. You're the problem. Welcome to church, okay? <laughs> Glad you're here, fill out a connect card, okay? The, the self-help industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Why? Because miserable people buy things to be less miserable. That's what they do. Seriously. The self-help interest is a multi-billion dollar industry. You can go down to Barnes & Noble today and you can buy all kinds of books to live your best life now, to be all the you that you can be, to get it together, to figure it out so that you can be all you need to be for you so that you can be you, 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 right? It's a multi-billion dollar industry, by the way, is not that interested in actually helping you. Some of them are, but like miserable people spend money. So like, yeah, you gotta think about that. And one of the things in self-help is something called daily affirmations. I'm not gonna raise your hand if you, make you raise your hand if you do daily affirmations. But, but one of the things you'll find in self-help literature is that you need to do daily affirmations of yourself. So it would go something like this. You get up in the morning, do your morning routine, you get in front of the mirror and you go, hey self, you are brave and you are strong. And you've got what it takes. You need to be the best you that you can be. And, and I don't actually devalue that. I really don't. Um, I actually think if people woke up and did that on a regular basis, our world would be a better place, honestly. I just don't think it's good enough. I don't think it's good enough. And part of why I don't think it's good enough is because I don't meet my own marks, right? I, I've been saying every December, like this, this year is gonna be the year I'm gonna lose 25 pounds. Here we go, right? And then I'm, I'm in the gym January and then March comes and like uh, St. Patty's Day or something. I don't know, right? Um, I don't hit my own mark. Like, I wanna be a better dad. And then I have these moments where I yell at my kids. And I'm like, bad dad again, right? I have these moments where I, like, I, I sincerely wanna love my wife well. And, and, and then we get in a fight over something ridiculous. And I'm like, I, here I go again. I, I'm not, 
I obviously, if I, even if I'm looking in the mirror and saying, you're gonna be the best husband ever today, I'm not that day. And I think what Paul is encouraging us to do is, is to move from you to Jesus. I think, it's the, I think this is what you need this morning. See, if you did daily affirmations that came out of this text, if you did daily affirmations of who you were in Christ, it would be better. Let me give you an example. If you got up in the morning and you looked in the mirror and you said this, I am created in the image and the likeness of divinity. I am known and I am loved by the creator of all things. I have the spirit of God within me. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is in me and with me today. I am God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he prepared in advance for me to do. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I have eternity written on my heart. I will run the race laid out for me that I may obtain the eternal crown. See, I think that's better affirmation. I think that's what we actually need. But, but, but how can we say that? How can we look in the mirror and actually say that? It's only when we've moved from me to Jesus. It's only when we've been honest and said, I'm not enough, but he is. It's only available if we, if we say, I accept and receive the gift of grace and the new identity that comes within this. See, I think we need less of me and more of Jesus. Jesus had a, a crazy second cousin. You got a crazy second cousin? Probably, okay. His name was John. John that they called the baptizer. And he famously said, I must decrease so that he may increase. I must become less so that he might become more. For those of you in the room who are skeptics, what would it take for you to convince your second cousin that you were the Messiah? That's an interesting thought in a different sermon, okay? I think it's rather good evidence to say Jesus may have been who he says he was. But John the Baptist came with this simple message that I wanna share with you in our last moments together this morning. He came saying, repent, be baptized, and believe. Repent, be baptized, and believe. See, 
I think for some of you, you need a new identity. I think you need to move from you to Jesus. And I wanna tangibly give you a chance to engage with this today. Some of you in the room are just doing church. Some of you in the room are just putting on a face, just playing a religious game, and Jesus has invited you not to play a game, but to be with him. Some of you have wrestled with this, have wondered about this, and are wondering, uh, how, how can I wake up in the morning, and how can I say these things, that, that I am a new creation in Christ, the old has gone, and the new has come. Some of you are living into this today, and you need to be reminded of it so that you may live into it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next. And I'm gonna enter into a time of prayer in a moment here um, that I think can be a next step moment for you. A next step moment for you to evaluate what does the fire in my own heart look like? And, And what does the fire in my communities look like? and to evaluate where you are in moving from you to Jesus. And as I pray, um, I want you to take a next step. I'm gonna pray in a moment here and lead you in a prayer um, just to invite Jesus into your heart, and, and I hope that some of you do that for the very first time today. For others of you, I hope that this moment is a moment of recommitment so that tomorrow you can wake up, look in the mirror and say, I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for me to do. I'm loved, I am forgiven, I am saved and walk into the week. And in a tangible way on November 10th, Um, There's a baptism service. See, John, he baptized people for the forgiveness of sins and new life. And and the picture of baptism on November 10 is that you die to yourself, you're washed clean, and you come out a new creation. If you have not taken that step, if Jesus is knocking on your heart today, please don't say no. Please say yes. Please say yes. And then November 10, I want you to be with us on this stage so that we can celebrate with you that God has done something new in you, that you are not the old self, that you are a new self, that you are not broken, but that you are whole, that you are not dead, but that you are alive, that you are not blind, but that you can now see that you are not lost, but you are found. Let this, this be the moment. Jesus. Thank you that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. But I ask you right now for those 
who have not yet bent a knee to you. That you would stir and move within them. And I pray, God, um, that they would join me in this prayer silently within the quietness of their hearts, that they would simply say, Jesus, I need you. I am broken, I am lost, and I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. Jesus, thank you for chasing me down. I surrender to you. Make me a new creation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.